0: How come it wasn't me out there?
1: Better late than never. Recorded live.
2: Scuba Obsesses Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Obsessed episode 214 is recorded live September 25th, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson from the west side of Michigan where the days are getting shorter joining me this week. We have Mac the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very good. And we also have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim?
0: Uh, I'm sore, but I'm
2: here. Sore? What's the story behind yeah. sore?
0: Well, I had to do physical labor today.
2: <laughs> oh, tell me it's not true. What, what? Uh,
0: was 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 sealing my driveway.
2: Oh, that's how, yeah. I my my dad uh, told me that there's two ways to do it. One way that he used to do for years, and then the, the easy way.
0: And the easy way is to hire somebody else?
2: Well, there's that. But, no, he used to put it on. You know, it's one of those things where you have to read the instructions on the side of the can. And he had always just put it on, and he would spread it out with a brush and work it real hard. And then he read, or somebody at work had told him, you know, spray, hose the whole thing down, and then pour it out while it's still wet. You know, you do it in a day where it's a little bit overcast. And then that tar just floated on top of the water and spread out. And he says it was a lot easier to spread. And he, he used about half as much tar or sealer as he normally did.
1: Mm. You know who said that? That was his wife.
2: <laughs> I don't think she cared if it was easy or not. That might have been. <laughs> yeah, Because, I, I mean, they used to, it was a big project. And he did it a lot. And then after he figured that out, it was a piece of cake. I don't know when yeah. his, his asphalt driveway was put in. They bought the house in '84, and it was probably ten years old then. And his asphalt is still looking brand new. See, I should should this should be underwritten. We should be saying a brand right now and getting paid. Then you could hire it out. (laughs) Yeah. So is it all done, or you got you got all the the cones up, telling people don't pull in the driveway?
0: Yep. Yep. First coat is all down.
2: Now you got to do two coats.
0: Well, I want to because I hadn't done it for a couple of years, and I've got a lot of cracks, and it really needs to be repaired.
2: You can buy—I uh, think you can buy like that patch in a bag where it's like the loose asphalt patch, and you tamp yeah. it
0: down. Yeah, I've—I've got some of that. Use some of that. Use some stone.
2: Well, it sounds like the, the problem with that is it sounds like it's a interruption from diving.
0: Well, I'm going to try to get some diving in tomorrow. So. Today was my work day. Tomorrow is my
1: play day. I Thought when you're retired, every day was a
2: play day.
0: It is, but as long as you're married, there are some work days.
2: You know, I don't know if I can touch that. <laughs> so, on that, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. We've got a fairly decent news lineup. A couple carryover from the previous weeks first one up is diver reclaims world record stays underwater for 51 hours if you remember the diver known as the grouper he did set the record it was 51 hours four minutes and 28 seconds they were hoping for 55 hours but uh he he just decided that was time enough and this is actually a pretty good article they go into some detail about his experience and he talks about one point he was on his way up, he, was, he wasn't he was going to complete it, and one of the other guys pulled him down. I don't know, is that a friend or not? <laughs> Maybe he wanted to come up. Uh, he talks about uh, taking cat naps uh, 15 to 20 minutes. He renewed his vows with his wife, and then he also had a massage therapist come down and give massages during it. So, you know, we were talking about last week, you know, how they do it. Well, I mean, all those things help. He said he's a little chatty, so whenever somebody came down and he was chatting, uh, he would go through air at a rapid rate. So he must have had a couple full-face masks, and they would chat back and forth.
1: Yeah, uh, The party he talked about his pruned hands were ashen and swollen. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun.
2: No. Well, and, he said he, and they said he had a dry suit this time versus last time he did it, he had a wet suit. And then the dry suit sprung a leak, and he started getting cold.
1: I would think after two days, it might be a little damp on the inside, too.
2: Yeah, you're going to make your own wetsuit even in a dry suit. You're going to have a terrarium going.
1: After that many days, and especially on a diet of Gatorade. And what is this rice meal energy drink? Any idea what that was? Probably a sponsor. Rice meal energy drink?
2: I've never heard of it. Well, I'm thinking you want something that you can go out the P-valve, but you don't have the other happening. If he's
1: got a P-valve. I didn't say that.
2: Yeah, or I did just, it? I just I am betting he did. You, you, who would do a fifty-one hour dive without a pee valve? And no, unless you are in a wetsuit, well, you're in a wetsuit, I mean, you can't have a diaper big enough.
0: You know that could be why he terminated the dive.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say that I would be. I gotta go. Yeah, fifty-one hours. You
0: know, the, the diapers can only hold so
1: much. Yeah. Well, you notice he had a lot of support—a hundred volunteers—and it takes a lot to do something like that.
2: Yeah, well, a hundred vo- volunteers, and then let's just say he's using eighties. What's that that's a, a tank an hour
1: what depth was he at again?
2: Um, fifteen to eighteen feet yeah,
1: Oh, uh, we can get an hour and a half, so
2: a conservative hour yeah, yeah, and he's he's an experienced diver, so he could probably doing yeah. better than that
0: about four a m Saturday, a problem arose when water began to leak into his dry suit,
2: yeah hmm. so that would be an once he had broken the record at that point, yeah, it's not so much fun anymore, yeah. I didn't know that massage therapy kept
1: your body temperature up. Did you read that, th- that part I mean, about he the said that. i don't, moving I don't. the
2: muscles
0: around, yeah. moving the blood, it's blood flow, it's circulation.
2: Yeah, in the chat room they're saying he used multiple different full face masks of different makes so the skin on his face didn't get wrecked.
1: Ah, good idea. I wonder why he wouldn't wear a, a helmet. That way he would have a total dry helmet or face, could talk mm-hmm. very easily, and would also be able to use warm air.
2: Yeah, well, no. they, they said he had a, a heater, like a heat pad, or a heating device underneath the suit to prevent hypothermia. Yeah, because when we read it last week, they didn't talk about the dry suit. They just mentioned, they, I think they even said wet suit. So I wonder at what point he decided to go with the dry suit. Oh, the, the Jared in the chat room says he went to a seminar before the dive, and they showed him uh, he talked about how he was going to do it. You know, those are all good things. It, you'd almost have to do a dry run. Maybe this next summer we'll, we'll find a good underwater charity, and we'll do a— the longest uh, underwater podcast.
1: I like the part about the mermaids' help. Yeah, mermaids help. Did you yeah. see that the mermaids?
2: Yeah, the mermaids swim down. He had his wife was also a mermaid when they when they got married. But it was a convention.
1: Yes, that we need to do that when they're having a convention.
2: A mermaid convention. Yes, sir. yes. Well, you know what we can do is what. See, you, you got to think about this in the broader picture. Is we have to have mermaid tryouts, and then you have the the mermaid pageants. Do we want to go there? What's what's that?
1: Do we really want to go there? No, <laughs> hey. I don't know what you meant by tryout. I am just curious.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know all the all the casting, you know, all the parts that go along with that. Uh, elbow, okay. elbow test. <laughs> they said he also had an underwater speaker that he invented called the SCULS, self-contained underwater loudspeaker. I think I think those have been around a while.
1: Uh, I was, you know, where, where it said about uh, after you went up there on the beach, fire rescue, checked the blood pressure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Since you've got so many items like that now that you can wear on your wrist, I wonder why you couldn't do that and do it like the Wi-Fi. So you could do that even when you're underwater.
2: The Wi-Fi doesn't have good range unless you got one of those new systems they are experimenting with. But you could, and you could, what, what I've always, what I want to try, maybe we can try that this year, would be to send down an access point on a cable to the surface and see what kind of range you can get. I'm sure that's people. What already... meant,
1: that's what I meant. Something like that. So he would, himself would know
2: right there. what his his
1: pressure was. Yeah.
0: Maybe they didn't want him to know what his pressure was.
2: <laughs> well, and, and maybe this is just something like a precaution or something. Yeah. I would, I would like to know, I would like to know as I'm diving, I'm going to say my blood pressure probably goes really low when I'm, scuba diving that's that's the most relaxed I ever feels when I'm diving
1: it would also be nice to know his blood pressure and his body temperature especially his core temperature, temperature would be good core temp
2: would be good yeah
1: even though I think the thermometer inserted might be a little irritating after 51 hours
2: yeah well you got to do the ones where they've got the uh, they have one where they're a radio transmitter and a pill and you swallow it that'd be the way to go but
1: oh, it would be interesting and again kudos to him and the support people that provided him. The
2: ability to do that. And did they say what charities he was going for? I think he was going for a variety of them. Again,
1: well, something to keep in mind. If we can get that many people to help us, that we could do something pretty neat too.
2: Yeah, I think th- I think maybe that's something we have to have as a goal. We'll do something like that. I'm not so much upset uh, with the world record, but yeah, you know, a little bit of publicity. You know, do something for some charities. Maybe something for the preserve. Another world record. We have the Egyptian scuba diver Ahmed. Gabar plunged 1,066 feet to set his world record, which, just to give you an idea how deep that is, the New York Chrysler Building is about that tall. He said he felt unbelievable when he emerged from the Red Sea. A Guinness Book of World Records handed him a certificate as the world's deepest male scuba diver. Fourteen hours is how long it took him.
1: Significant part is he started training for that in 2010.
2: Well, that's a, that's a, that, how do you train for that? I mean, I, I know there's certain things, but you go to 900 feet? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, all deep. I, I imagine you would. Yeah, and and then all your training dives. I mean, you think how about the logistics for a training dive because you know, it's 14 hours, including DECO, for this one. Your training divers, dives are going to be 12 hours of DECO, you know, 10 hours. I mean, you've just got ridiculously long amounts of time. Now, the, the Navy training that he had certainly helped. Uh, he may have had uh, similar, like maybe in that case, it was saturation diving he was doing. Uh, so he knew about the pressures that he could handle it. It was more the logistics being able to do it. So he since traveled, they, traveled with say, nine since, tanks. I'm sorry, Mac, what were you saying? No, I was going to say, I,
1: since they specifically said m- men's record,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the women's record.
2: Oh, that's 2,000 feet.
1: I don't know. Well, I'm just curious because they mentioned it. I, 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 bet think the, I, I bet it's quite deep, though. I bet it is.
2: It's got to be. I'm just trying to think about. I'll have to check my uh, Navy diving contacts. They may know. Traveled with nine tanks and decompressed for 14 hours. Said some of the u- unique moments. A baby white-tip ocean, oceanic shark hung out with him for six hours. So congratulations to him. That's certainly a feat. And then this one, uh, I just, just before the show, I came across this article. And if you want to read a little bit more about it, we do have it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. And I'm going to actually go there right now because there's actually pretty good discussion going on. And what this, we're talking about is a local woman, when I say local woman down there in the Gulf, was denied access to hyperbaric chamber.
0: This is a lawsuit waiting to happen.
2: Yeah. Uh, and so let's go.
1: As a quick side note, mm-hmm. 190 meters deepest scuba dive by a woman in the sea. That was the question.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this was April 20th, 2010.
2: It's 190 meters. That's about 600 feet, 500 some.
1: She used five gases, tri-mix, uh, 767, blah, blah, blah. We won't go into that unless you're interested. Uh, her descent time was nine minutes. Her ascent was 135 minutes. It's a Mexican national record. Might be a record for uh, women in saltwater, and there is a lady who did it for uh, Verena. Shock is two hundred and twenty-one meters in freshwater.
2: Yeah, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised to have the freshwater record that be deeper because there's some of those women in cave diving, you know, in Australia and also Florida, who have done some really, really deep dives. But this one is Bay County. Uh, let's see the the. The station is WJHG.com. So do they say where they're out of it? I'm guessing it's a Florida area. It said uh, a woman suffered from an illness common to scuba diving. Uh, Jean McDougall had been scuba diving for 27 years. In a recent dive, she suffered her first case of decompression sickness or the bends. When I came up from my dive, I immediately felt pain in my left arm the pain didn't go away. And when Wayne, the pain didn't go away and actually got worse, we decided we needed to go to the emergency room. And uh, they talk in the article about decompression sickness, which most of us who listen to the show are aware of. What that is, you know, nitrogen bubbles coming out of solution and getting into the the tissue, bloodstream, spinal cord. Uh, it's the best treatment at the time, a decompression chamber. But the hospital personnel did not treat her. They took me back immediately. They said we do not have service diver, We do not service scuba divers for accidents. And the closest one we got is going to be in Mobile, Alabama. The Bay Medical Sacred Heart said they haven't been treating divers for several years, years now because a hyperbaric chamber is not staffed 24 hours, and they only see about four diving injuries per year. Uh, divers Den dive master Mac McManus said, that's totally wrong. It's absolutely wrong. If the facility is there and the diver needs, they should be able to go ahead and cooperate. It's especially troubling since Panama City Beach makes itself a, a tourist destination and they for the panhandle and divers from dozens of artificial reefs it's a huge diving community we invite people here to come and dive in our beautiful waters and now we don't have any resources where accidents happen and it's important to have those resources because it could mean somebody's life hyperbaric chamber in Tallahassee, or pensacola is the closest one able to treat divers suffering from the bends and then i don't
1: think she has a lawsuit after all what's that they don't have qualified personnel to operate it that would be they they cannot do that. That's like having, well, my heart surgeon's not here today, or I don't have certain equipment, but we'll do it anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be really smart. Well, I think this is an act of, I don't think this is a reaction, oh, we just don't have people to run it today, and, and we don't have the information to know for 100%. I think it's a it's a business case. They said, we're not going to staff this thing for four divers a year. And no. my point is, I don't want to belittle people who run hyperbaric chambers but why don't we train, cross train people? It can't be that amount of time. It's called money. Well, right, but they we we've got we've got to hold the these places have no problem taking endowments and charities and handouts like they're nonprofits. Well, they refused yes. treatment.
0: They, they, of, they refused treatment of a medical emergency
1: that they did not have the correct equipment and staff to perform. Otherwise, they'd have been malfeasant if they'd have done it because they didn't have trained
2: personnel but it was an active but, decision but on their they, part not to staff it
0: did they even but, attempt to call in people to accommodate the emergency if that, they oh, failed no. to act
2: yeah well but the but, other it, the other part of that is was a chamber even in condition to be able to service anybody if they if 2 or 3 years ago they said you know what we got this chamber we're not going to use it then you know how many tests and samples and procedures I mean, they might not even know if the chamber was able to take pressure anymore.
1: Okay, we have a local example of this, you know.
2: Well, yeah, we do, Cal- Kalamazoo.
1: Where we do our training. Yeah. And what did they do? They do not do that anymore. It's now because of SAS. They are the ones who qualify people and operate it for multiple, like we said, for divers. Mm-hmm. Bronton does have the monolungs, and they do what? hyperbaric treatments, but they don't do them related to diving.
2: Well, and that was my point also is that, well, what do they do if somebody has carbon monoxide poisoning?
1: They put them in a, mon- a mono loan.
2: Right. So this place isn't even handling carbon monoxide? That part we don't know. Yeah. Even right. a mono loan would have been better than nothing. Yeah. So we, we had a few people right away who had been uh, talking about it, and I I presume they're from down that, that area. We had uh, Webb. He said that, uh, he says, I live down there and been following it closely to tough issues, certainly understand the dollars and cents side of it especially when you're talking about a small and expensive staff you have to keep on call for very infrequent emergencies. With that said, the diving destination in many southern states within diving distance closest chambers are over two and a half hours away. So it's a huge concern for the local diving community. Now, my point on that is, why can't you cross-train? D- does the staff only have to be for that? You can't, you, you can't take a smattering of people? I mean, at work, we provide medical training for people. I mean, I'm one of the people, first responders in the plant. You know, we've probably got 20 or 30 across the facility, and we're not that big. We're at our location. Uh, you know, why, why can't they take a little bit of time and invest in this you know, as, yep. as a service community? And I, I think that it's up to the people down there, the dive shops, the divers. You know, you start asking some questions. This is a political position.
1: Well, Bronson, what did they do? They, they made it available for volunteers who wanted to staff it. Became qualified, they run the chamber now.
2: And, and I think that's a that's well, a good approach. Do they run it for the recreational
0: dives, or are they running it for medical decompression?
2: Not
1: medical decompression, from the aspect of are you doing it in their behalf? My understanding is they do it because they are the this uh, medical no. I, I, Medical is maybe not the word I would look at, but the decompression aspect, if you went there, those are the guys who are going to, are going to be working with you. Mm-hmm. That and a big call to Dan, if you want the medical aspect, meaning the doctors who know what they're doing from the dive related, they're working in, in concert with Dan. Yeah.
2: Now, on Facebook, we also had John who, timed, who chimed in. He said, they didn't want to pay on-call pay or the overtime that off hours often brings. On-call pay and he says when i was getting it, it was a minimum of the hours but of real money up to twice your hourly pay just to come in and then you got overtime pay and and that to me if you're paying people on call and i don't know you know maybe that's a it's a union thing but it seems like you could get a a lot of people trained cuz we've been in like like you said when Sa- SAS does it you have Rick who's the operator so he's operating the chamber and he's responsible for the time and the operation of that chamber, and then he has somebody on the inside who's handling things. So you've got two people there who no. are minimum who are running who are running that chamber in that situation. And I'm sure if you go a longer amount of time, there's maybe procedures for cycling people in and out of the chamber. Which that one in Kalamazoo, which is a really nice chamber, because you have the airlock and you could actually move people out or medicine out. But uh, you know maybe this is something the dive community because this is it's it's like volunteer fire department. You know, you don't, want, you, you don't want to have your house burned down and, and need them, but that's a service that we need to have. And just because it doesn't happen every day or it's not economical doesn't you know, doesn't mean it. I mean, are we going to say we're, we'll cure a disease, but, you know, not enough people doing it so we won't even bother with the medicine? Sure. That's so that a, happens all so the research time. right now.
1: Those who have the, the, the big diseases get the money, and the ones you don't hear
2: about don't get the money. Orphan so drugs. So maybe just throw a little bit of Ebola in Africa, and now you got a good return on your investment.
1: There you go. Yeah, send the American Army again like they're doing now. We'll solve everybody's problem. Okay, we could could go on to
2: another thing. Uh, Hey,
0: I saw something where there's uh, fleas that have plague in Arizona.
2: Yeah, they had plague in uh, California, wasn't it, too long ago where they had
0: uh, one of the parks there? Yeah, well, now the fleas, they're finding fleas that test positive for the plague, plague in Arizona.
1: Uh-huh. Just get your plague shot. That's all I got to say. <laughs> plague. Well, well, you used to get them in the service. You got plague shots? Hell yeah, depending on where you're going to be going to.
2: Yeah, I didn't you even a- know there was a, such a thing. <laughs>
1: plague.
2: Plague shot. Mac,
0: I think you got your shots confused.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't the plague. That's just as they told you. Was it scratching, itchy? <laughs>
0: Pain during. Uh,
2: when you pee?
0: <laughs> urination? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's, that's sad. So hopefully, I I, I want to do a little bit more research on this. I want to call around and find out what it is. I, and maybe we'll, we should see if we can get somebody from Dan on and see what their position is. Because they should, as a, as a leader in the diving community on the medical aspect, it seems like they should know it. And what I want to know is, was this chamber listed as a chamber in brochures? I mean, if I go to the Chamber of Commerce, uh, no pun intended, uh, do they have listed that they're a hyperbaric chamber for scuba divers.
1: Where do you find that listing in the state of Michigan for all the different places? If I'm doing a commercial dive at certain depths on a barge offshore, I have to have a recompression chamber available to my divers. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about those because they're commercial, specific purpose, and they make the bucks for it. The hospital can't do that.
2: Now, when you say they make the bucks for it, so there's private companies who that's all they do is they have a chamber? Yes. Oh,
1: Or many of the the bigger dive companies or salvage companies have a decompression chamber because they need it for their job. And they have the uh, EMTs, diver EMTs, and diver chamber operators. And they get paid for their services pretty good. Even if you don't need them, you have to have them available.
2: Well, maybe that's something hospitals just need to outsource. And they outsource other things. Why not outsource the chamber? I mean, it seems like they've got an investment. You'd have a chamber. Now, in the photo... Of the article, they're, 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 they got that's uh, probably one of the smaller ones, aren't they? Um, we, who knows? That could be stock photo, so we can't necessarily go by that. That looks um, like one of question. the smaller ones. It's, it's like a, a monolung, yeah. Like a monolung, put them in a yeah. tube, and the lady's got like a something over her head. So I don't know why they're maybe that's just for oxygen. So th- that might be to limit the oxygen just to what she's breathing, as opposed to filling the whole chamber with it.
1: Oh, well, they use for gangrene, a lot of different items.
2: Yeah, carbon monoxide is a, I mean, Rick says, if you ever have a chance, and maybe we should help organize another trip into it, because that trip helps, you know, it makes him a little bit of money, it keeps. It gives him a reason to use it, and it's a blast. If you ever get a chance to do a chamber dive, that is that is fun.
1: Well, it's not just fun, It's record- you really need to do it if you're going to do any deep diving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We were talking about uh, a group did a, another training dive like we do there. One of the members got narked at 50 feet, 50 feet. You want to know that you do. Yeah. I <laughs> want to know if he's my buddy and if I were the guy, I'd like to know I I'm going to go a little nutty at 50 feet.
2: Well, it gave me the it. confidence to start doing deeper recreational dives, you know, cause I, I, I didn't know how I'd react. I mean, you know. No, the, even though the, you, you imagine, at least I do, what's the worst that could happen. You know, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, the pressure causing me to implode or bleed from my eyeballs or something. And to be able to do it in a controlled environment where, you're not worrying about all your gear and your settings and everything else. You have somebody else who's handling the pressure, uh, and then also the equalize. You know, the, it gave me confidence on equalizing, going down and coming up, um, mm-hmm. and then being able to perform tasks. And you start to know I'm I'm a focus guy. I when I get narked, I get tunnel vision and I get the, the the that focus. So I'm still able to mechanically go, but when I when I'm deep, I feel like I'm a bad dive buddy because I I don't. Feel like I'm really as aware of what my dive buddy's doing. I'm more focused on whatever I've got. So yeah, we're gonna have to keep keep track of that. Uh, let's see the next. I one. had that
0: same issue with uh, getting narked. It was it was tunnel vision.
2: But narked was a blast, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, do that at 160 feet, and somebody tie your 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 feet to the upline, and you wonder why you can't go up. <laughs> got a video of that.
2: Was that was that like hazing in the commercial dive industry?
1: No, it wasn't hazing, and they didn't realize they had done that until they looked at the video later. And it's like I never realized I did that.
2: So the guy didn't know he tied the other guy to the he, line,
1: right? He didn't realize what he was doing.
2: Oh man! So the, how did how they get up? Did he un- cut the guy out? He did later, and the guy never realized his foot was
1: the reason he couldn't come up is because his foot was you know tied into the to the rope down below. And, again, they didn't even realize it till they watched the video, and then they're looking at each other saying, what the hey?"
2: <laughs> oh, man. Well, then next up we have a long, slow chase by scuba club members to catch fish poachers. This one in Monterey Bay in California. Good Samaritans in scuba gear became crime fighters. The Scotts Valley Scuba Club, led by a San Jose diver, helped the California Department of Fish and Wildlife catch a pair of fish poachers in the Pacific Grove last month. It was a mile-and-a-half slow-speed wetsuit wet chase. Bill Shepard said it must have looked ridiculous. The story began began in Love Point in the Pacific Grove on August 24th. Shepard, along with a dozen or so members of the scuba squad, made made up of the divers from Pro Scuba Dive Center We're just finishing up their second of two dives in the protected area of Monterey Bay. Uh, club member Tegan... Whose job it was on that day to stay on shore and look out for fellow divers was the first to notice something was amiss. There were all these dead fish attached to a float, Tegan recalls. <clears throat> she noticed two men emerging from the water carrying spear guns. She immediately signaled Bill, who had just surfaced, to investigate. Bill approached the two men, letting them know they had been catching fish in a protected area where spearfishing was prohibited. Their attitude seemed to be, eh, whatever. There's a big signs around uh, that say that. It's not like you can miss it. Bill suggested to Tegan that before that she begin taking pictures of their phone well, he called the d dfw report to report the poachers by the time they knew we were onto them so they started packing up and walking towards the parking lot bill followed the two men hoping to get a look at the license plate but the pair didn't stop at the lot they kept walking up 16th avenue he decided the best course to action was to the follow them, but at a safe distance what ensued was an hour and a half slow speed chase in the streets of downtown pacific grove two men carrying spear guns and a bag of dead fish in front bill in the rear all wearing wetsuits it would have given you a pause like, what? Apparently trying to throw Bill off the trail, the pair of poachers split up at one point, but he stuck with one of them. Perhaps sensing the inevitability of their capture, the diver ended up heading back to Lover's Point, where his truck was. The warden was waiting for him to write a citation. He thanked us and said that the fine for poaching was 500 per fish. They had 10 fish. That was $5,000. Both Bill and Tegan say they love the Monterey Bay and the aquatic diversity. We are supposed to be stewards of what we have and protect it. They are proud of how the members of the Scuba squad performed that day, both in and out of the water. I wouldn't necessarily advise that. I mean, these guys are armed. (laughs) I would not want a a spear point in a chest, but uh, good for them.
1: By the way, I'm sending you uh, information about vaccinations for bubonic and (laughs) pneumonic plague. Can, yes. I, uh, can, uh, get, can I get one? <clears throat> yes, you can, especially if you join the service and go to wonderful different places.
2: Oh wow, that, that's just like a resort, isn't it? Like you get to right. suntan on deck and
1: <clears throat> absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what recruiters always say.
1: Catch the airplane home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Bill and Ted join the Navy. Oh darn it! I just had to, my next article is the same one okay here we go Christmas trees They can't be well, good Samaritans in scuba gear they jumped right into the water tracking down some poachers NBC Bay Area's Garvin Thomas is here with her our- okay here we go so if underwater Christmas trees may be key to saving a rare coral federal scientists believe they that a spindly structure resembling underwater cr- Charlie Brown Christmas tree could play a huge role in saving rare coral damage by the port Miami deep dredge project a hundred The $205 million project is being managed by the Army Corps engineers. In August, state inspectors reported an alarming amount of sediment covering nearby elkhorn and staghorn coral, both of which are endangered species. Officials with NOAA are are attempting to relocate whole colonies of damaged coral to underwater nurseries where they can be restored to health. The nursery technology is simply amazing, according to NOAA Projected Resource Administrator David Bernhardt. Some of the PVC pipes standing up out of the sand with branches going out on either side. The pieces of coral are hung in little pieces of string up in the clean water away from the sand, and they'll grow their dangling from the branches like a Christmas tree ornament. No officials say they're working closely with the Army Corps engineers and the Florida Department of Environmental Protection to ensure the minimal impact of the coral. An environmental group in the area of the Biscayne Bay Waterkeeper says it's giving three agencies until September 30 to work out viable coral protection solution, or they will take the Army Corps to court.
1: That'll be fast, not.
2: Yeah. Well, how are they going to prove that any of this is working?
1: <clears throat> Same way they do the uh, sand flow, SAM stuff. You put out a dock or a pier like mm-hmm. St. Joe. Yep. And it nourishes one side and starves the other. Is that the fault of the Corps of Engineers because they built it?
2: Yeah. How much are they going to spend to treat this? Hopefully it works. It's pretty. I'd dive on it. So I imagine what they're doing is they're spending this, the damaged coral up there if it continues to grow, and then once the dredging project's done, they can reintroduce it back to the bottom. And here's another project. We have the this one a little bit closer to what we're familiar with, zebra mussels and some a little bit of potash. This one's out of Minnesota, the Star Tribune. The DNR, which had done a project where they were chemically treating a lake to present Uh, prevent, well, not to prevent, to eliminate zebra mussels. They were using a chemical, let's see if they list it in here, Zequinox, which is a biological pesticide that kills off zebra mussels. They found that it worked in a small closed-off area. Unlike other lakes that have been experiments with the product, this was a full-blown attempt to rid the population of a lake. Unfortunately, they found uh, 25 zebra mussels outside the area where they had applied the the uh, Zequinox. So uh, they were attempting to get a permit from the DNR, or the DNRs attempting to get a permit. And It sounds like they have to go to the uh, federal agency to get permission to do this. So what they're going to do is they're going to use, they called it liquid potash. And Let's see if they have the chemical name. Is it one of those things where liquid potash sounds better than the chemical? Let's see, I'm trying to scan here for the, the name. It's uh, some sort of potassium, <coughs> I think.
1: I'm just curious, does it work with quaggers And quagga's take over from the zebras.
2: They said the DNR needs approval in the state of Department of Agriculture and emergency exemption from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to use the potash on Christmas Lake. Lund said they hope to get approval soon in the potash this fall before the lake freezes. Liquid potash or potassium chloride. So liquid potash is just a common name for potassium chloride. I don't have any, any experience with that. Is that... <laughs> Is potassium chloride what you use in uh, water softeners? to. Yeah, potassium chloride is salt, isn't it? Uh, sodium chloride salt.
0: Sodium chloride, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, potassium chloride might also be something that they use for a de-icer. Uh, I, I'm the, I'm, I never really got into chemistry, so I don't know. But it um, said it costs a DNR in the watershed district about $9,300 to treat a 50-by-60-foot area with the Zequinox. That seems like a bargain. Doesn't seem like much of an area, though. They said since then, the crews from the University of Minnesota students had been monitoring the lake every day, logging more than 125 hours of scuba diving, looking for zebra mussels. And on September 19th, 25 mussels were found about 50 feet away from the contaminated area. Everybody was disappointed, said Craig Dawson, director of the Minnehaha Creek Watershed District's Aquatic Invasive Species Program. But also realistically, it was always possible we were never 100% sure we had 100% of the zebra mussels contained. The lake's only public boat launch is shut down in August and remain closed as crews hope to use Christmas Lake as a testing ground for another possible solution to fight against invasive species in Minnesota. Nothing is guaranteed with zebra mussels.
1: As a side note, I just looked that up. It also talks about it is effective also for quagga mussels. That was my comment or curiosity aspect.
2: Is that the potash or the, uh, the, the Zomax? The- Zomax. Zomax. I wonder, that'd be interesting to find out how... Yeah, how you apply it, how concentrated, how amount of time it has to be on. I mean, is that something where if you had an intake, like, you know, say the water at the nuclear plant, is that something where they could inject it as they're intaking it and that would fight it? Or do you need to have still water?
1: One would think you'd want to have still water so you'd have a concentration maintained. I'm sure it's something like uh, sonar that they used in uh, Pawpaw Lake Mm -hmm. for control of the other invasive species, but specifically milfoil. And again, what they do is they do spot treatments, meaning higher concentrations in areas that they can't clean up very easily with their standard. So they're they're actually giving it a hot shot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd imagine this has got to be the same way.
2: Yeah, so they give it a little bit of blast, and hopefully, uh, and you really want to poison them or make them sick if you're trying to get rid of the the muscles.
1: right? And this is really relatively new, maybe two years old. Mm-hmm. They've been doing a lot of
2: work with it. And the tough thing is to find, like the and they talked a little bit in the article is what is your bycatch or uh, unintended effects? You're trying to go after quaggas, but are you killing everything else that's in the lake at the same time? I don't know how big the lake is either. They said this They're talking, one was
0: smaller. Yeah, fifty by sixty area was ninety three hundred dollars.
2: They charged.
1: Well, that's why I was curious the size of the actual lake.
2: Yeah they, yeah, they said uh, in Minnesota they have uh, the zebra mussels infested nearly 200 waterways. They said they've been focusing on prevention through education, increased boat inspections, and new boat restrictions. I think we covered that in a previous show where they were restricting where boats could go and move and processes. Uh, let's see, do they say how big the lake is? Because they, they, they chose this lake because it was relatively small and con- Contained and they know about They they think they know the infection date. They're saying it The zebras showed up in August, which is a little suspicious, wouldn't it be? If it showed up in August, that all of a sudden you're treating already in September. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not familiar with anybody working that quick. Well,
1: they, yeah, they treated the water Pawpaw starting in the uh, spring, and then they did the shock treatment in the first part of the summer, and then they did a second shock treatment in certain areas, in July.
0: But that was where Milfoil was, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, Milfoil was her primary. Mm -hmm. Have you heard anything back on that since you did your little photos? Did anybody get too upset?
1: I did not hear anybody, and I don't know if that was because they don't want to know. Because if they know and and acknowledge the photos and the video, they have to do something.
2: Uh Yeah, so you're not going to hear. But I think I would give it to the people who paid. To say, hey, it's not as effective. Negotiate a discount. (laughs) I mean, I tell what you do at work. I mean, when they, you know, we're we're a printer. When somebody sends us bad paper, we get, yeah, we get money back for that. If I can't put ink on it, yeah, that's your problem. Uh, In the chat room, they're asking if zebra mussels can be harvested for anything such as dog food. No,
1: because of they concentrate the toxins to the thousands, and therefore it would be really bad to eat that. And that's why a lot of the other animals do not also ingest them because they basically poison the, the, the whatever eats them. Mm-hmm. Now, there is an exception. After the big die-off, they, you know, their levels just blossomed, and they got so big, then they started dying off because they couldn't feed themselves. So we're down at the sustainable level now, which is really, really down compared to what it was a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, because it's not uncommon to be on a wreck, and not every inch of board is covered.
1: Right, and that's brand new over the last couple of years. And... A lot of the fish that used to not eat them ten years ago do now because that's all the hell there is.
2: Yeah, it's.
1: Uh, There's some ducks that are now eating this kind of stuff, so it is going to affect them long term if you happen to catch those and eat them.
2: Yeah, I, I've, I've heard it's... that there are some uh, fish that have started to pick at them too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and plus, I I wonder. Yeah, like you said, they picked up the toxins, but once the initial die off is pulled some of that toxins out of the water. Hopefully we're, we learn and don't put so much crap in the water. But like you said, they're, they're a concentrator. Uh, volunteers clean up beaches and waterways. This is an article in the Boston Globe. Hundreds of volunteers in scuba gear, kayaks, and on foot were, spent the last weekend cleaning up Connecticut beaches and streams as part of the annual intercoastal cleanup. Uh, Laura McMillan of the Save the Sound Environmental Group estimated 700 volunteers were involved in 21 cleanups that occurred Saturday. Others are expected to collect trash from beach and other waterways on the weekend throughout this and the next month. Highlights of the initiative, including scuba dive cleanup in New London, a kayak operation in Norwalk, and an inland river cleanup on the Scannic River. Last year, 1,554 volunteers cleaned up nearly 8,800 pounds of trash from 44 Connecticut beaches. And you don't need to wait for these events to clean up. You can become a bottle collector like we are and pick them up all the time.
1: It would really be nice if we could have somebody provide us with a dumpster and we could clean up that area off of Merrimont. For example, it's like if we had a place to put it, we'd bring a lot more, like the shopping carts. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe we just need to start coordinating with uh, surface-mounted groups and you know, recruit our own surface support. Say, hey, we're going to go do this dive on this date. We're going to bring up as much trash as we can. I remember years ago when my dad was kayaking that there was a group who once a year was doing cleanups and they were actually going up the the rivers and the creeks taking out tires and refrigerators and stuff that had been thrown in over the years I, get, I just don't still think that if those efforts are going up on around here that we're real good at promoting them or publicizing them
0: I want to put a couple more shopping courts down there Mac
2: <laughs> for collecting the bottles they're
0: bottle catchers
2: it, it, it does now this is an article that i thought was really well done a lot of these are just like i call them clickbait where people are trying to just get people links and and, and your your trick to know if something's clickbait is whenever you see five items or ten things or something and this one is busting uh, scuba diving myths and uh i thought it was pretty good the, the the list they came up with they said the fear of scuba diving is a byproduct of numerous myths Floated around by amateurs, but here are the few reasons why you need not fear taking up the sport. One of the myths is you have to be in perfect shape to be a scuba diver. And I think that's almost evident by anybody in the mud club other than... Uh, well, that depends if you're
1: talking the apple or the pear. Yeah.
2: <laughs> round is a shape. It's a shape. Yeah, we are we we It's make a
0: perfect it a shape. shape, perfectly round. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I guess yeah, so. we're in a shape. Uh, I mean, it's a good idea to be in good shape, so don't take it that you can be a complete blob and have heart conditions and asthma and other things and not have consequences, but uh, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, it's a good excuse to get out and do some activity. And as we talked about before, they're now saying that it's, uh, it's actually really good as long as you can take it. They said anybody from teenagers, to people in their 60s, can enjoy scuba diving, which is certainly true. You know those people. think we we might even know a few.
1: Yeah, we are those people.
2: (laughs) They said uh, one of the other myths is diving is a tough sport, affordable, avoidable for women. No scientific research can substantiate the fact that women will not be able to cope with diving. In fact, we know they can. We see them all the time diving, and they do quite well. I'd never heard of that. Well, this is India. This is that India. Or India, I can believe. Uh, so you you've got a country that diving i think in india is more popular i don't say more popular it's 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 more of a status symbol than it is here in the united states a lot of the their actors in india that's like almost like a requirement if you're an actor you're a scuba diver uh one of the other myths is diving tanks have pure oxygen they don't <laughs> i think that's just uh that's more the news media than anything else just thinking a tank must be oxygen uh pure oxygen is not good for you on the surface there's no reason it should be changed when you're underwater the air in the tank is the same as regular air on the surface and that's true to a point we do have some mixes such as nitrox or you can get trimix where you're adding some helium in but for the most part it is good old air the jaws syndrome they say that's another one is people are afraid of shark attacks uh most places that you'll dive do not even have sharks in the water Even if you do come across a shark, sharks are in tropical waters and are not aggressive compared to those found in temperate waters. Further sharks have very low propensity to attack people. Yeah, Lake Michigan, I guarantee you're going to find no sharks. Other than the humankind. Okay. (laughs) We do have attorneys who go diving. they sharks or snakes. (laughs) Well, you can call them either. Uh, need to have a deep dive to see exotic creatures. It's commonly assumed that creatures in aquatic life that live deeper down, you have to dive very deep to see things. It's absolutely incorrect. Most sea creatures, plants, and corals need direct sunlight to survive. Professional photographers seldom dive deeper than 50 feet deep. Most common are in the range of 20 to 50 feet. You could see things at all depths. Deep sea diving will result in ear damage. It's true if precautions are not taken. All you have to do is pinch your nose and blow gently in the nostrils and the, you safely feel your ears pop the valsalva maneuver is no different than the one you use in your kid when diving into the pool to fetch a coin from the bottom Uh, modern scuba gear is foolproof most scuba myths exist simply to scare people from the sport but there are those that may cause injury modern scuba gear is a marvel of science but like everything else there are it is not foolproof and then one of the other ones is diving is for tropical coasts and i think we absolutely approve that you don't have to be in tropical areas to go diving you can be in Utah, you can be in Kansas City, you can be in Michigan, and there's plenty of paces to go scuba diving. Let's see if we got to get to the end of these. Yeah, in fact, I think we are done. That does it for scuba in the news. We do have some photos. This one is actually a video, but I think it's better as a photo. Again, we're these using the chat room, so that's one of the bonuses in the chat room. Is you get to follow along, and this one is a video or an article, and it's, what it's showing is the uh, what? Do you, what is that called? The Medusa. I warn you, as you go to that link, the first thing it's going to try and do is play a video, so kind of have to pause it.
1: Which one are you looking at? The underwater glue or the robotic op- octopus?
2: No, the one, the one above it. The
1: uh, rare photo.
2: Yeah, rare photo. Uh, they found a footage from a, a hydro Medusa and. It looks like a jellyfish, but I don't even believe they're related. Uh, The the ROV called Deep Discover, which is a 6,000-meter remotely operated vehicle based on the Okinawas Explorer, recorded the organism. The hydromedusa in the video, you can see it as pushing its way through the water. And just imagine a translucent dome, and it looks like it's got these intestine that are just suspended in it. They said they're uh, an opaque red, which when they eat uh, bioluminescent creatures, it prevents them from uh, being visible. But when you see them in real light, it looks a little bit odd, doesn't it? So that was uh, highlights of their dive on September 6th in Washington Canyon. Let's see what's the next one. The next one was uh, we got this in the category of cool scuba gear, and that was underwater glue, which I always remember my grandfather talking about. He called it fish glue that that was like the best waterproof glue around. So I don't think this is a new idea. Uh, When he would use it, he would use it a lot of times on he made model boats or uh, when he got into making bigger boats and sailboats. Uh, His mom would ban him from bringing anything he glued with it into the house because it stunk so bad. But this is an underwater glue inspired by shellfish that might help repair ships. And they go into some great detail explaining... Uh, how this glue came to be. They said it will hold on tight. Even the worst storms can be very difficult to attach, much to the exasperation of the maintenance crew. The uncanny ability made it possible for the very sticky protein secreted by the animal called muscle foot protein. They said scientists have engineered E. coli bacteria to produce the same proteins. Uh, unfortunately, the matter wasn't nearly as adhesive. This time, the MIT engineers took an alternate route. Well, they engineered the same E. coli bacteria to secrete these proteins. They were careful not to add active genes that also produced curly fibers, curly f- Curl fibers were fibrous proteins that naturally joined together and self-assembled, though much larger, more complicated. Compounds, more familiar, these fibers join to form a biofilm. Slimy layers protect bacteria growing on the surface. So maybe we'll have some good glue. Well, that's that uh,
1: nanotechnology for you.
2: Yeah, because we're using the, a lot of uh, microscopic nanotechniques as I highlight in the article.
1: Yeah, when they're analyzing, they're talking about analyzing the surface of a rigid material down to the level of the atom mechanical probe to the tip to magnify surface features to a hundred million times so I, I reckon that classifies as nanotechnology
2: I would say so at least as I as I understand nano said a robotic isn't
0: that what Robin Williams used to say
2: nano nano just but. <laughs> a robotic octopus breaks a speed record and then in small print they say granted it was own speed record but it's truly impressive and this is a, a a cool video it was interesting to watch it kind of gives you an idea uh what it is it's a if, you, if you, it looks just like an octopus multi-arm robot uh, made out of uh, some of them are made out of silicone and they actually show it swimming around uh, in the video they also show it walking along the bottom and think about it if you had one of these that was autonomous just let it go out and find some shipwrecks for you the speed is uh a half a body length per second with propulsive forces up to 10.5 newtons were achieved, with a cost transport as low as 0.62, which I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing that they were pretty happy with it. If you want to read more, that was presented at the IEEE International Conference on Intelligent Robotics and Systems in Chicago, Illinois. So that does it for Scuba News.
1: What about the video? Was there another
2: video? Darn it. The world's deepest pool? Oh, world's deepest pool. This is one you've got to see. I I want to build one, and I want mine to be 10 meters deeper. <laughs> you gotta, I mean, you got to outdo them. But this video, watching it, let me see. i am going to pull this up. I'm not going to play the video on here because it's really nothing exciting to see. The, 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 I'm not saying it's not exciting to see. I think you should go and see it. I'm just saying that for a podcast to hear music and bubbles, it doesn't really translate that well.
1: I like the mermaid shot. Yeah. Uh,
2: the pool's called Y40, and it's the Hotel Dream Menopini in Pandovia. It was open in June, which we've talked about. Deepest pool in the world at 138 feet. The pool's designed to train scuba divers as well as underwater photography and scientific research. But in the video, they're showing freedivers. And you have to think about it. This is perfect pool for freediving. And like you said, Mac, I love the dress code that they have in there. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, typically, like around here, if you're hitting below 100 feet, you are going to be much more covered up than that. And well, you saw the
1: surface shot of everybody waiting to get into the water.
2: Uh-huh. Definitely have women in scuba here. Yep. Temperature in the pools between between 90 and 93 degrees. That's got to be too hot. Well, you definitely cannot wear any more than what they're wearing if you're doing that. But you, you think about it— it's, there's no place else in the world, I would guess, other than I guess maybe some tropical locations where you can get down that deep. Up here, you would be at thirty-nine, forty degrees even in the summer. And here they're doing that. So if you're doing some practice, you get when you get your deep diving certification, you go try mix at this depth and never have to put on a wetsuit. It almost seems like cheating.
1: It is cheating. It's okay.
2: <laughs> I do it. Come on. Where's the billionaires who listen to the podcast? You just. Kick in a little bit money. We'll name it after you. We'll call it to Bill Gates, Carlos Slim, Warren Buffett, Poole. Don McElhaney. Don McElhaney. Pool, Whoever the hell that is. The richest one of all. Finder of lost things. That guy I know. And I got some of the photos. Oh, yeah. I've see. Oh, i seen the one you're talking about, Mac.
1: Yeah, okay. I figured you would. Eventually.
2: It took me a little bit. <laughs> I can't look away. Oh, and that's... Oh, they even... That's... that's they they've done this right. I I want to do something like this so bad in our area. They've got a viewing walkway in the pool where you've got people who are who can walk through it, kind of like you've seen where the the aquariums where they have people walk through them. They have viewing windows. Some excellent photos. Pool has several caves as well. Yeah, they they've done a good job on this. Of course, they're going to be disappointed when I build one deeper. I'm just telling them now. Excuse me. Okay, so now we're done. Well, I don't know why I wanted to get done with that so quick. So who's got some diving in? I have sadly not been able to get any diving. I, I've, I'm i moving my dry suit. It's still in the car. I keep moving it around, but I have not had a chance to get it in the water. And now, Mac, I think you got some diving in.
1: Yeah, I think it got a little bit wet.
2: So how's the river been?
1: Uh, the river has actually been good. I've uh, got a couple of people out there last Saturday and then Sunday. The current upstream of the uh, dock, believe it or not, you need your river stick, especially if you're on the outside curve. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, to the right side of the dock, close in, out to the to the car, you don't need the river stick. Uh, visibility he was arm length. And bottles were to be had by everybody.
2: How how was the current? Was it down a little bit? Uh,
1: uh, Actually, it was up this week. Uh, Like I said, Sunday I was out, and it was fast enough that I I had river sticks for the new guy I was with. And then we came back and dove it, what, Tuesday. Tuesday. And the whole thing changed. And uh, upstream was not bad. We did a little bit of a drift dive. Uh, Jim actually... Towed us upstream a little bit on the side of the Zodiac or the pond, the, the uh, inflatable. We dropped off and then drifted down with the current. And once we got past the bridge there, bingo, no current again. And that's where the fish were.
2: So they're taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's enough of swimming in this stuff.
1: But it is getting colder after about an hour and a half, uh, you know, wet. And your tank is just about running dry. It's, it's time to get out and go have coffee and soup is what, you know, we did.
2: Yeah, I'm, and, I'm looking at... Uh, Rodney's photos, what's that one bottle in the lower right? Is that like embossed?
1: I don't know, since I don't happen to have that photo.
2: Are <laughs> uh, you? Because uh, yeah, uh, there's a ketchup the bottle, part. there's a flask, and then right below it looks like there's a bottle with a little bit of embossing and like maybe a badge on it?
0: Uh, i got to go uh, back to the sunlight. I don't think that anything
2: was embossed. Okay. Maybe it's just the, the angle I'm looking for. All right, let me look like, it good. could be something really cheap. It could be like an old Miller Lite bottle. And just in this photo, it looks interesting. Well, Jim, you kept
1: some of that. You kept the Mercedes thing,
2: right? That's not a, is that a Mercedes plate that looks like the top to a uh subway <laughs> food container. I think I think Jim took it
1: because it is attractive looking and it looks like the emblem for the Mercedes. It yeah. does. But yeah, I think
2: that's it was
0: uh, piece of flat glass.
2: Yeah, it almost I think it's it's like uh it's got that pattern so you can pick it up. It's like, like almost like a handle, but I, it's hard to tell in the photo. It's Not, got a so it, It's spot. like the top of a cookie jar. Yeah. And uh, then you, uh, it looks like you got some canning jar lids, the glass. Yep. yep. And then
1: the, the purple one was uh, a VIX blue glass.
2: Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if it was that or an insulator off electric line. And then there's some lead weights.
1: Yep. Someplace in there.
2: Yeah. Sitting on one of the glass.
1: And I forgot to look at the date on that last license tag to the left. Darn it. Because the last one I got was 1936. But when I when I post the pictures that uh, Mary Beth got Monday, like I said, the Sun God thing, thirteen pounds. Mm-hmm. You guys are gonna she, say, "Oh my God!" She
0: posted them.
2: Oh, did she post that one?
0: Yeah, they're not on the club site, but they're um, she's got them out there.
2: Oh, oh Thanks. yeah, I, I clicked. I I don't necessarily get over to her page that much, but this that's that Sun God thing is awesome.
1: Thirteen pounds, pounds. fifteen pounds. Did you look at the bottle, the embossed one? Is that cool or is that
2: cool? Oh, that is beyond cool. Have you looked? Has she looked it up yet to see?
1: Well, did you see the second bottle?
2: Oh no, I can't. Bottom oh, left. what is that? <laughs> she did great. Uh, this makes her great, awesome. That's, everybody that everybody who's listening to podcasts. It's just that's the back like, of the like uh, Dr
0: Pepper bottle. Ten, two, and four.
2: Ten, two, is four is the back of the po- Dr Pepper. That's the back of the Dr Pepper bottle. That is an awesome bottle. So that's got to be one of the. Early years of it, isn't it? It's a Absolutely. it's a crown top forty,
1: or before forties.
2: Crown tops came in around nineteen twenty three. Yeah, and then the well, bottom, the the bottom of the bottle
0: shows forty on it. Forty,
2: and it says South Bend, Dr Pepper Bottling Co, South Bend. South Bend. Yeah, because Dr Pepper, I think, was out of Texas, and then he licensed it. it huh.
1: Well, you saw the one where Grant and Joshua got out the Hutchies. No.
2: Saw that one? No, i got to go down. Yeah. I want to find a Hutchie. I guess i got to go diving if I am going to find one.
0: You and me both.
2: Oh, I can't go this weekend. I've got, I'm camping with the Boy Scouts, and then I've got a trade show i got to go to. And then we'll do the show next week. And then shortly after the show, i got to fly out to Los Angeles. And not for diving. If I'd been thinking, I'd have gone a day earlier and gone diving with somebody. Catalina! Yeah, yeah. If somebody's in LA, give me give me a reason to go out early. Maybe I'll change my flight plans
1: to get wet. That's a good reason.
2: It's a good, darn good reason. I just haven't. When I was scheduling my travel arrangements, I was just thinking about the show. I've got a, a trade show I have to go to out there, and didn't even think of diving. Yeah, I'm looking at some of them where she's finding stuff. Yeah, if you want to see what it's like, to, if you want to get the bug that will make you want to go scuba diving, start kayaking, canoeing in your rivers. Go to the edges and start going around, take a magnet, do some magnet fishing.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, Mary Beth and them found that one in the shallows.
2: I'm not seeing the Hutchies. It's, maybe it's good. I'd probably cry.
1: <laughs> and you don't have to dive. Just get your gear on and snorkel it. Yeah. You know, Four foot of water, there's amazing items that you can find.
2: Yep. Oh, the chat room is saying explain Hutchie.
1: Hutchison bottle is a, is basically called that because of the stopper arrangement. If you looked at it, it looks like a question mark with a seal or a, a rubber seal on the bottom that was into the bottle itself. You use it like a, uh, the hook you used to do for button hooks on shoes. You'd pull up the top and that would seal it, especially if you had carbonation in it. And then when you're ready to drink it, you use your palm, hit the little part of the metal that would stick up. I would go back down, you'd hear the pop and drink your bottle. Also, Hunchy Bottles are usually at least 100 years old now. They're thick glass, and generally they're embossed, and they're absolutely great to have. And if you go to the club site, you can see them.
2: When he says club site, that is mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. Click on Treasures. When you see something that looks like a soda bottle, but it's, you see like wire and a, a top on it. Maybe that's, let's go.
0: It's a, like it? a short soda bottle that's got a very short neck on it.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna, I think we're going to give them a link in the chat room so they can find it. Ooh, chat uh, website. So here is to the Treasures page, myclubscoobobsessedcom <clears throat> forward slash Treasures. And let's see if we can find one that's got hutchies.
1: Well, the first one you've, you're you going to find by the horseshoe down to the right is a broken torpedo hutch- hutchie, semi-round bottom.
2: Yeah, see, I've I've actually got one uh, somewhere around here in my office. Except mine doesn't have the top on. It. Mine's got mine's in the same condition as that one.
1: Right. And the sex rocks. We'll have to explain that to you separately, not on the air. But <laughs> sex rocks are really interesting. <laughs>
2: uh, let's see.
1: And if you go all the way down, you can see Joshua's fine. About four or five down, that one by the golf ball with the rounded top is a Hutchy.
2: And, and it's frosted,
1: so you can't see the stopper.
2: Get up there. Okay, i to it? get to it. Uh, oh, that one right there, the, the third one down? Well, it's got two milks, a hutchie, and a jar. Oh, and two no, co- this, this one's not a, this is a corker. Oh, darn it. I closed the window again. It's like the third time I've done it.
1: Well, that in Voscheborgen one is the one I gave to the museum a couple of weeks ago.
2: Now, what kind of credit do you get for that? Do they get your name on the plaque? or uh, No,
1: if I'm lucky, they don't even identify me.
2: <laughs> you don't want to be identified? Okay, yeah, here, here's one that's uh, here's a hutchie. Like you said, it was Joshua's find, and that's the third one. So you got the two milk bottles and then like a jar, and then that's a hutchie. Now, that one's missing the hutchie part, right?
1: Well, yeah, it's frosted, so you really can't see it. I'm looking for another one. It's way down. If it's a sample find from under the main St. Joe Bridge, you will find a nice Hutchie embossed and you can barely see the image of it if you blow it up.
2: Oh, the sample finds. Okay, I'll click on that one. I'll give them that one too. The Hutchie is the yeah, that that one's a little bit better. And that shows a little bit more the classic shape of a Hutchie. Yeah. But it'd be nice to find one to have one that shows the mechanism. <laughs> now what what prop because in the, because you had corkers long before you had Hutchies, right? Yeah, I actually
1: Corkers, you had cork, you had wooden stoppers. And I, I was at the museum up in Sheboygan and talking to a bottle collector. We have never found a bottle with an internal screw. He had one, and the and the wooden piece that actually screwed into it, so instead of on the outside, it was on the inside of the bottle.
2: Hmm. Freaking awesome. What the reason for that was? Did they, so you screwed it in, and then the liquid would, would make the wood swell and seal? And seal, yeah, you got to remember that, you know, the, the pre-industrial revolution, everybody was trying to invent everything.
1: Some of those I found out with him is there's also there's like a like a quarter, only it was really thin, and it bent in the middle. And they actually put that in the inside of the bottle. Now, how they got it out, I don't know. Unless it's like, you know, when you undo some of the plastic bottles now, you got that freaking piece of aluminum over it. Mm-hmm. You got to use your keys to pop to get into it.
2: Yeah, he 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 found one and he posted it back in the in the chat room here, Mac. I'm going to give it to you so you can okay. see it. That one right there. That's pro- that's a really good example. You can see it. You got two. One's got that blue glass, and you can barely barely see it. and The other one's clear. Today's keepers, Papa Lake W two. Well, those are some great examples of Hutchies.
1: And the bottles behind them are good too, because those are all corkers.
2: See, see, you know, I've I've thrown a bunch of those away. <laughs>
1: No, those are the ones from the old days when you see the cowboy movies and they yeah. get their whiskey and stuff. Those are them. They're not the thin freaking bottles oh, you have.
2: Oh, no. no they're, they're you hit gay. somebody
1: in the head with that, it, the bottle will probably not break. Their skull is going to break.
2: Yeah, I, I I find those all the time. Those those oh. to me, at least for me, I I guess everybody kind of finds their bottles, but those I bought every second or third time I'm in the water, I get one of those.
1: Well, you take a look at that, turn it over, and look at the bottom. If you find one with a pedal mark, don't throw that away. That means it was hand rolled. That one, one on oh, the right, yeah. is rolled in a wooden mold because it's got the seam lines of the of the mold. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, in this one, didn't have seam lines. Yeah. It, it's been rolled in a wooden mold, and it has the cirrations from the wooden mold itself.
2: Yeah, because when you're saying the pendle mark, that means that that was uh, actually somebody hand blown. blew that. Yes.
0: Hand blown, Yes. So that's before automation. End of a a tube or like a piece of pipe, and they would roll it and then blow in the tube to force the glass to expand, get larger, and then they would roll it in a wet, uh, often a wet wooden mold, as Max said.
2: So that's that's not a euphemism. You're talking about bottles. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. They would just blow into the tube to expand the glass, and, you know, it would take the shape
2: of the mold that they were rolling it in. So, so you blow it to expand it? Yeah,
1: if you go down more than that one that we had on the in the club site, past the Bailey's, you'll see that uh, display at the at the museum, North oh. Bury Historical Museum. Yeah. You'll see Hutchie's there in the middle, plus you'll see the biggest one I found on the right hand side is a quart Hutchie.
2: Now that is a big boy there.
1: Yes, it is. And that was found in four freaking feet of water standing there in the sand.
2: Yeah,
1: how, you know, for how many years has it been there? Amazing.
2: How many people have walked over it, boated over it?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. If, if you like, that's the stuff, nice. It's, it's fun. But every, every place you go, it's different. Yeah. Chances have, are, I yeah. swam
0: over it, reaching for a broken bottle.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and here we talked about. It. I don't know if you were on Mac when we we mentioned it, but like at work, somebody uh, posted uh, they. They had an old Dr. Pepper bottles, and they put it on a on a silent auction, the the benefit the United Way, and huh? people bid on it and bought it. So I'm going to contact some of these people and say, "Hey, are you, you know, is, are you collecting or are you just donating to donate to the organization? Because maybe there are, there are people who would be interested in donating money to charities for some of these b- bottles that we need to find homes for."
0: Hey, how about donate to the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we could do it that way. You could do a preserve auction. Because I was looking at that, and I I, I like the bottles, but at some point, you've just got too many. Like a whole
1: trailer full? You you mean that large sampling of what you find beneath the waters of southwest Michigan? Yes. Yeah, that's a good one to show people because then they can say, damn. That's that's, that's, a good
0: idea, Mac. I think I'll add that to the uh, presentation. (laughs) What's beneath?
1: Keep going down on the list, and you'll find it there. That's when I put a picture of the trailer for sale, with all the bottles on it and the anchors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm through my third. I'm on. I see Jim came over and got some more stuff. I'm now on my third refill of the trailer. <laughs> Jeez! And I've got rid of all the other ones. And nice. What's left is going to Ken, I believe. I think his daughter-in-law wants him. So I opened it up to the neighborhood, and the jugs went pretty quick, and quite a well, few of the Hutchies went away.
2: The, the the Crocs those are those are just good.
1: Yeah, the lady liked those, so I give them to her.
2: Yeah, you know th- those anchors? I bet you got people for those anchors.
1: Jim's got a, a good number of anchors through the years we've done this. Yeah, uh, Jim yeah.
2: Lehman's got a, also has some anchors. He's got a anchor garden, and somehow I, I think his wife makes him paint them.
0: That's what I've done and painted so, them and put them out in the front yard.
2: Yeah, the, he's he's got this gravel area around his trees, and he's got anchors around it, and it actually looks mm-hmm. nice.
0: Yep, I got mushrooms. See, he mushroom can, anchors.
2: You know, I don't. It, it's just not fair. He can do that in his yard. I do that, and it looks like I've got a flea market going. Doesn't make it all bad. Yeah. I <laughs> would we'll like to thank everybody who came to the chat room. We had quite a few people showing up. People are, I guess, are getting used to the fact that we have a chat room going. We're going to try and keep that going. We'll have a show next week. The following week, I do not think I'm going to do it. It's my Travel back from L.A., and I just don't know that with air delays and everything. I want to try and count on doing a show, so we may have a buy in two weeks. But next week we should be good to go.
0: Well, why don't you just stay in L.A. an extra day and get a dive or two
1: in? And
2: oh, yeah. yeah, I could do that. I'm you know, that. just I'll prove it. Yeah, you're going to prove it. You on my expense report.
1: I can't, you Hell know, yes, I'll sign <laughs> it
2: see here so uh um uh, the preserve who, who's next up on the list i i haven't got a dive southwest so it's dive s-w-m-u-p dot com and let's see who's the next one up we gotta be we're getting close to the end uh we did seaquatics last week and yes we have seaside dive shops incorporated out of saint Clair. no we, we haven't have been... been over there to dive the no, Saint Clair. yeah it's not too late. Yeah, the water's still liquid.
0: Yeah, that's, that's still a good one for later on. Them.
2: Yep, www.seasidediveshop.com, 586-772-7676.
0: Stop in, say hello.
2: Yep, 28612 Harper Avenue, St. Clair Shores. Looks like they're a full-service dive shop, also providing paddy instruction. Another dive shop I'd like to thank for sponsoring the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve. And for a simple membership of $25, you can get two free air fills from Seasides and a bunch of others, which it looks like, what are we, about 25, 30 air fills?
0: We're close to 30 air fills now.
2: Yeah. Awesome. As a side note, Jim, did
1: you ever pick up your card when you left it up north? No. And neither did I. Mine is still in your possession too, yeah.
0: Well, I can make sure you get another one if you need it.
1: I was going to mention that to you because they (laughs) weren't sure if it was one or two, the lady who filled my air that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
2: told her not to give you any.
1: (laughs) I know you told me that, and that's what I
2: told you. (laughs) You just fill the tank with water. That way uh, you get more value by weight.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, we could prove
2: then that Mac has gills. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Mac, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, boy, I can't think of
1: anything right at the moment.
2: I see that we're getting into the DEMA dive time of the year. I see all my professional dive contacts talking about getting ready for the DEMA show. So that is coming up. I am not planning on going to DEMA in Las Vegas this year, unless somebody can convince me why I need to go. I do not plan on going.
1: If somebody were to buy a ticket, I would be more than happy to go and report.
0: You know what? If you, you get us a couple tickets, we may find a way out there.
1: I can get no problem checked. getting out there. I need, I need the fund for the aircraft, you know.
2: Now, Matt, could you fly us out there?
1: Yeah, one at a time. It'd be a <laughs> long trip.
2: <laughs>
1: long trip.
2: How, 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 uh, Darren, we need a couple passes. to DEMA. Need a couple passes. Well, I can get passes. I'm not. I don't think we got a problem getting in.
1: No, nah, we can get that.
2: Yeah, there's. Uh, I've I've had numerous offers. Uh, I didn't. I didn't put in the paperwork this year for Dima. I think probably the press passes are probably past going. But we have other other outlets. We could go incognito. I'd have to wear Groucho glasses, but uh, we could get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking maybe next year. And you know, I, I, this is I'm I like a broken record. I say this every year, but maybe Orlando's the one to go. Yeah, because what what diving is there in the desert? Other. I'll bet we could find some place. Pools to clean out the change in the in the fountains at the Bellagio. Well, yeah, I do that a, in a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> there, there is a dam near there somewhere. Mac would
2: find a Hutchie in the Bellagio. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mac wants to swim with the mermaids. Yeah, well, you've got I, the I, uh, Cirque du Soleil. They have an underwater show. Yeah,
1: I have missed those mermaids the last two years because that last time I think it was three years ago. Yeah, I just needed an updated photo.
2: Mm-hmm. <sighs>
0: You know, is it getting to be that time
2: I think it is and I think these are gonna be equally bad and we may have used them before I cannot remember mm. so we'll, we'll do two of them oh maybe we could do three of them how about we do a triple play that way we make Uh-oh. up of somebody wow yeah okay so in here,
0: here... our hearts take three growners, uh, I don't bro. know
2: I don't think it's possible to take three but we will right. attempt it and the, and the first one is almost like a question so All it's, right uh why are there only 239 beans in Irish stew? Do you guys, I don't, do you I don't know. Because if you add one more, it would be 240. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you need to do the accent better. I think uh, I, I I don't do Irish real well. Uh, okay, so here's here's the next one. Okay, a pirate walks in the bar with a peg leg, a parrot on his shoulder, and a steering wheel in his pants. A bartender says. Hey, you got to be steering wheel in your, plant, your pants. The pirate says, Arr, I know. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> See, you have to do the third. It's kind of like cleansing the palate. You know, you got to get all of everything in. Okay. This one, a scuba diver walks in the bar and takes a seat. Before he can order a beer, a bowl of pretzels in front of him and say, Hey, you're a handsome fellow. The man tries to ignore the bowl of pretzels and orders a fine Pilsner beer. Bowl of pretzels then says, Ooh, a pilsner, great choice. You're a smart man. Starting to freak out, the guy says a bartender, Hey, what's the hell is this? A bowl of pretzels keeps saying nice things to me. The bartender says, Don't worry about it. The pretzels are complimentary.
1: Okay, actually, those are not too horrible. Those are pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, if you keep that up, people are gonna expect something more like that.
2: Too far. <laughs> that'd be too farty so until next week go out there and get wet and stay safe
0: and just be glad and damage any mermaids this week
1: recording has been completed. How you, come it wasn't where, me out there?
0: Where'd they find it? The secret place?
1: They were doing, the, the, they launched up by the dam, I think, came down and they went in the, in the shallows and were picking up bottles with their with their paddles. Said, huh. There's bottles all over the place. And it's like, I want to go there.
0: <laughs> you and I need to go to that place that I told you and check that
1: hole out. <laughs> you
2: know, I, I think I, I feel <laughs> a sickness coming on.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you need to get out there now because the water is starting to get chilly after an hour and a half that's about done for me i'm getting chilly out there now
2: yeah but that's i got dry suit i'm a mortal now
1: <laughs> yeah that's true
2: <laughs> yeah the f- famous last words